Uh, welcome, everyone. My name is Scott Hemingway. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am with... Christy, and I am on staff part-time here at the church. And we get to uh, bring you three-ish things, and today is the ish things. Um, Joy and George, we have not seen you for months. Welcome. Joy has, uh, she fell and broke her leg and uh, spent too long in the hospital, but uh, we are so glad you're here with us today, and uh, what a blessing it is. Okay, that's me. Our first three-ish thing. Um, we did talk about this last week. It's been in the Friday email, if you get those, but we're having a new life fund raiser. Fun razor. Sorry, I said that wrong. Um, so any of you OG New Lifers like me, you'll remember these carnivals. They're legendary. You don't want to miss out. I'm pretty sure there's going to be popcorn, possibly cotton candy. <laughs> and Alicia and Isaac aren't here, so now I'm saying that and they have to do it now. Um, so come out. There's, it's, it's really going to be carnival. There'll be tickets and games where it's a possibility that we can throw pies at Scott. I'm just making plans and other people are going to make it happen. Um, and this is all to raise money for our uh, youth team. They're going down to a cool Guatemala. If you aren't aware, we have a sponsorship uh, with them through Food for the Hungry. We are in year five, I believe, of a 10-year sponsorship to basically see their community come out of poverty and become self-sufficient. And so we're sending a youth team down there in March, and this is all to raise funds for them. So we would love to see you there on November 12th. Perfect. Um, great thing. Want to be part of that. Uh, I don't know if I want to be a part of the pie throwing, but... Uh, for the children. Yeah, it's for the kids. Uh, so we have been, for several weeks, we've been collecting uh, toiletries. We've been collecting uh, some socks and underwear and some clothes. And that is with our in, for, and with. And we've had three areas that we've been focusing in on. It is the Basket Society. That's our food bank. That Henry, I know he's over here. He's, uh, he is the director of that. So we've been collecting specifically for that toiletries. And then we've had other donations come in. All it has to say is thank you very much. It's been wonderful. Jesse has gotten a lot of stuff. So all the toiletries are going to go to Henry and some other things. We uh, also have been given some money and some other clothes, and that has been given to the Canadian Mental Health. That's another area, as well as to Pierre who does a ministry downtown with those who are houseless. All I have to say is that we are going to continue to collect over these next few months. As you came, uh, got, went out of your house today, you noticed that it was a bit chilly, was it not? Uh, in a reminder that those who are on the street, they could use some warm clothes. So we're going to continue to collect some warm clothes, like sweaters, um, jackets, boots, socks, all that good stuff. And if you would like to donate to that, that's going to go directly to Pierre. So we'll continue to do that for the next little bit to help his ministry. And the fourth of our three-ish things. Adopt a project. We brought this to you guys a few weeks ago. Um, this is just really like house maintenance. This is our home as a church family. Um, so this Saturday, the youth are actually having a work party. Um, I think Isaac has dubbed it the Hype Town, Hype Town Wipe Down. Say that three times fast because Isaac is young and hilarious. So when I was chatting with Alana, um, you know, my thought was, well, if, if I'm, I'm a parent of a youth, if I'm coming and dropping them off, maybe we could encourage those parents to stay and also take on a project. 
So then I said, but the youth are getting pizza and I don't want, you know, the adults come, they don't get pizza. So Elena said that she'll buy pizza. So Saturday, 10 o'clock till I believe one o'clock, um, we're just calling it a work party. So the youth are gonna be here. If you're a youth parent, we welcome you to stay. If you're not a youth parent, you're also welcome to come. Love to have you. There's lots of odd jobs, power washing, you know, all that kind of stuff. We'd love to have you help out just to kind of keep the buildings looking nice and sharp. Um, and you can find that information, newlifechurch.ca slash events. Um, and there's a little sign up tab, both for the youth event as well as for the Adopt a Project. And I'm tagging one more on to our three-ish things. I know, surprise, surprise. I did clear it with Alana, so it's okay. Um, if, you have, if you have left a Bible behind anytime ever since we opened again, um, I'm not sure where it went. We are kind of getting quite a collection. So out here past these doors is our information booth. And in the information booth, there's a bookshelf. And on that bookshelf is a collection of Bibles that have been left behind. And if they don't have names, I can't find you and call you. So if you've left your Bible behind, please go check that out and take it home with you. You, you, no are, more. you are so good. I know. Yeah. I know. Good. Should really do this more often. Thanks, guys. Good morning, everyone. I put my jacket on. I was cold. I don't know about you guys, and I'm never cold, but, uh, but it's a little chillier today, isn't it? Scott, when he asked me about speaking this week, gave me a freebie. So um, uh, I, it, it's, a, it's a good thing, but it's also a difficult thing, because some ways it's easier to, to kind of follow the theme or whatever we've been doing, uh, spiritual formation. Um, but I thought we would do something totally different. So... I can't remember the last time we looked at an Old Testament narrative. Uh, I, I really can't. Maybe it's just, maybe I've missed the weeks when we have, but so I thought we'd look at an Old Testament narrative um, from Joshua chapter seven. Um, I love the book of Joshua. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a book of victory, a book of excitement. Um, I think along with Haggai, they're my two Old Testament favorite narratives. But I, I, I recognize in, in Joshua seven, defeat. And I, and I hate defeat, I hate losing. You ask my wife, we play something called code word. She beats me all the time. And, and not just beats me, but humiliates me in code word. And, and I hate it, but, but I'm, I'm determined to, to beat her one day. I've beaten her a couple of times, but, but very, very rarely. So I don't deal with defeat very well. I, I'm overly competitive, um, but, but I also recognize in our, in our Christian walk, in our Christian journey as we follow Jesus, that there are days of defeat. Ralph mentioned that in his prayer uh, this morning, that, that uh, you know, we, we make mistakes, we, we sin, we, we know we disappoint, disappoint the Lord. And I think defeat can lead us lots of different ways. You know, it certainly leads us to discouragement and, 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 and guilt and so on. So I, I thought maybe that would be appropriate to, to look at this morning. And perhaps even, even tempered with the fact that we've been looking at spiritual formation, so spiritual disciplines, and perhaps you've been coming each week feeling defeated because you recognize that, hey, I'm not living up to that. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with my quiet time. I'm struggling having time in the Word. I'm struggling praying. So, so perhaps, um, maybe the reason we're looking at that this morning is because that's you, because I think it's me quite often as well. I, I feel defeated and feel discouraged, and that isn't the heart of God. God does not want that for us. He's not surprised by our mistakes. I think he's surprised by the fact that we don't depend on him and don't lean on him and don't recognize our need for him. Um, but, but we focus so much on, on our defeat and disappointment. So we'll look at uh, Joshua chapter to seven. Um, I need to go back one. 
So I'll show you my outline because I'm so impressed with my outline because it's all C's. So we'll look at the, the cause of the defeat. We'll look at the consequence, the cure. And then this is a bad one, but I had to find a C, the connection. It's actually a really, really cool connection. So it's a double C, which, which is also really cool. So we'll look at that. Now, I don't know how, uh, I've always called AI, because that's how it's spelled, AI, AI. But I've heard other people refer to it as I, and hopefully you guys got the memo, or some of you did, to, to read through Joshua chapter 7. But I, I thought, you know, I'm in Canada, it must be A. So <laughs> I, I, I've tried, you know, as I've been preparing today, I've been trying to think, trying to say A, but I just can't do it. So I'm going to stick with, with AI. But if, if you want to just, you know, you, you Canadians, just, just A, you know. So in, in, before we do this, we need to kind of look at a little bit of background. And uh, I was going to kind of have us act something out, but I, I, and I really wanted to, but, but then I realized that I'll, we'll be here all morning because I can easily drag things out too long. So we won't. So I, I'd like to set the scene. So Joshua, the fifth book of the Bible, um, is significant, particularly the call of Abraham. So if you're, if you're familiar with the call of Abraham, which is really the beginning of the nation of Israel, God gives three promises to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12. He says, you'll become a great nation. So this is Abraham, just Abraham and Sarah and, and the nephew Lot, th three of them. That's all, as far as we know, that's, that's who the promise is given to. And, uh, and, and, and he's old. He's 75 years old and, and wouldn't have children until he's 100. So, so it's not looking great. But God says, you're going to become a great nation. So that was the first promise. The second promise was that you'll, you'll be a blessing and all nations will be blessed through you or through your seed. And that's a beautiful a prophecy of, of the fact that Jesus would come through the nation of Israel and, and all the, the blessing and promise that, that Jesus brings for us today was, was foretold or promised to, to Abraham. And then the third promise to Abraham was that you would possess a land, that you'll have a land that's not your own. And, and that's really the book of Joshua is, is the conquest of, of Canaan, of, of this nation uh, of, of people who, who eventually move into the land that was promised to them, the, the, the land of Israel or Canaan. So we, I, I always think there's, there's five kind of geographical places, and, and bear with me in this. If you can stay with me, it'd be great. Three geographical places of the Israelites that I think picture our Christian journey, our, our walk with Jesus. And the first one is we find the Israelites, so probably a couple of hundred years after these three promises to Abraham, we find the Israelites, not much more than a family, probably a large extended family through Joseph. Do you remember Multicolor and so on? One of these Old Testament stories. They end up in Egypt for 400 years. And during those 400 years, the, the first, in a sense, the first of those promises, they become a great nation. So probably about 2 million people. So just going in as a small family over 400 years, I think the food's good, the water's good, and they they become fruitful and multiply. So about two million people. So, so Egypt, though, w was great at first, but if you remember, it ended up being a place of, of bondage, a place of slavery. We have Moses and, and so on. So really, if you think of our journey, we, we, we recognize that, that, that we have left Egypt So that, uh, in, in coming to Jesus. So we have the Passover lamb. Do you remember the, the blood on the doorposts and then crossing the Red Sea and going into the desert? That, that really pictures our Christian conversion when we come to Jesus. We recognize that, that his blood, the, the ultimate Passover lamb, the fulfillment of the blood on the doorpost has freed us from bondage and has, and has given us new life. 
we've crossed um, the Red Sea and we've entered new life. So, so think of that. Think of Egypt as, as that place of, of leaving slavery, leaving bondage, and we enter new life. So, so that, that is our, our beginning of our Christian journey. But we find the Israelites then for 40 years wandering in the desert, which is a great place to learn. You know, God was testing to see what was in their hearts, but also was a place of, of discouragement and disobedience and, uh, and, and wasn't particularly fruitful. They weren't really a blessing to anybody and there was defeat and so on and, and even a desire for the past. They wanted to go back to Egypt if, you're in, if you know the story well. And sometimes that is our experience, isn't it? Where we've, we've come to Jesus, it's fantastic, we've entered new life, but we meander, we wander in, in defeat and discouragement, perhaps in, in a wilderness or a desert, desert experience. And that would be my experience for many years of, of really not, not really understanding what it meant to be saved, not really understanding what Jesus had actually done for me um, and, and still kind of living in defeat and even desiring the, the past. So I know these are pretty cut and dry and they, they merge into each other. So we have Egypt, we have the desert, and then we have Canaan. And, and the Israelites would leave the desert. They would, they would enter Canaan really miraculously. You remember Joshua, um, or, the, or the priests, as they walked into the Jordan River? The, the Jordan River parted and they entered Canaan. Uh, and, and we have you know, the defeat of Jericho, marching around Jericho, and, and lots of excitement in, in Canaan. And, and really, it's, a, it's, it's not being born again again, but it's a different, a different quality of life. It's, it's really a life of dependence, of, of, of trusting in God, because they, they cross that Jordan River in dependence. And in a sense, in the desert, it was self-dependence and, 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 and despair and so on. So, so perhaps, as you think of your own journey, I, I trust we've all come out of Egypt, that we've accepted Jesus, we've accepted that blood, we've applied his blood to our lives and received forgiveness and new life. Perhaps today you're feeling like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wandering in the desert. And, and I'm discouraged, and, and I'm not totally dependent on the Lord. But perhaps, for some of us, maybe, maybe Canaan is it today. You know, you've, you've trusted him, and um, we've entered kind of a, a new quality of life. And I'm not talking about a second experience, but just a, 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 a moving on to depending on him in, in more of a real and a daily way. But the Israelites didn't stay in Canaan. They, remember, they were taken captive by the Babylonians, and, uh, and, and it's so easy for us as, as believers sometimes to be taken captive. We're still saved. They were still God's people, but we're taken captive by things. So, so think of those, of, of, of maybe those four places initially as, as places where we find ourselves. Some of it's defeat, but some of it's victory. And, and it's not as cut and dry as that. Perhaps they merge. And then obviously Canaan, when they return after Babylon, is, is really the, it's the backdrop, isn't it, for, for the story of Jesus, for, for all of the New Testament. So, so it's a wonderful place. So, so that's a, a long-winded um, uh, kind of build-up to, to the, the defeat of AI. So let's, let's have a look at the cause. And, and let's, I, I, I'm going to assume that maybe some of you have read or are familiar with, with, uh, with the battle with Aiken and EI and so on, AI, um, but, but perhaps many of us aren't as well because it's one of those little Old Testament narratives that gets tucked away, kind of caught between some things, and maybe we don't know it. So let me explain to you. So the Israelites have crossed over the Jordan River. They've entered Canaan. They've defeated uh, Jericho miraculously. They, they didn't have to do much. They just marched around in obedience, made a lot of noise. The walls fell down, 
and, and Jericho is destroyed. It must have been pretty cool. When we get to heaven and we can watch maybe video clips of some of these things, it'd be pretty cool to see, you know, that happening. Um, so, so the walls fell down. And one of the conditions the, the Lord said, he said, he said, the plunder, so all that you take from Jericho, you, you will defeat Jericho. And they were a fortified city. It was pretty impossible, but you will defeat them. And when you do, the plunder, so all the spoils of Jericho, are to be devoted to the Lord. They're, to be, they're, they're like a first fruits of all that was to come. And, and, and it, pretty simple. Basically, you will defeat them, but, but all the gold, silver, and so on is devoted to the Lord. Um, and we're, when we read chapter 7, so that's chapter 6 of Joshua, chapter 7, um, it begins with, but the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. So some of the Israelites, and in particularly Achan, stole some of the, the, the silver, the gold, and, and some of the linen and whatever, and hid it in their tents instead of giving it to the Lord. As a result, um, they, they found defeat in the next battle. Joshua um, sent two spies to Ai, to this town, and the spies came back and said, ah, it's easy. You don't need to do much. Just send a few men. Just send 3,000 men, and, and you'll defeat them. So the 3,000 men went, they were defeated, they, they, they ran away, some of them were killed, and, uh, and it's despair. And, and we find Joshua really face down on the ground, the elders face down on the ground, throwing dust on their heads. Oh, why has this happened? Why has God brought us out of Egypt to, to just have us de- be in defeat and so on? So a real, real place of despair. And then, and then we, we've, we'll talk about the cure in a minute, but we recognize that then God says, you know, you're defeated because you've taken some of the plunder, because you haven't given to me what is mine. And then um, the, uh, the Lord has each, each tribe, so each tribe of Israel come before him and narrows it down to, to a tribe, then to a, a family, then to a man, and it, it turned out it was Achan. Achan was the one who had sinned. And it's really a, a, a difficult narrative to read because the Israelites then would, would kill Achan and his family and, and his animals, burn him, and then put rocks on top of him. And the place was called the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble. So that's really the, the whole chapter. It's, it's pretty depressing. Um, and and it's, it, it's, there's not a lot of depressing stuff in Joshua, but, but chapter 7 is. So, so let's, uh, let's take a look then at det- in the detail of, uh, of the cause and, and then the cure. So first of all, the cause was that they acted unfaithfully. They acted unfaithfully. They didn't give to God what was rightly his. They didn't give him the glory. And I would say one of the dangers of, of, of us in the Christian life is that we sometimes take the glory for ourselves. We recognize God working in our lives, and other people do as well, but we take the glory for ourselves. And we start to, and I think it's a subtle thing, it's not intentional, but we start to think, hey, I'm actually pretty good. You know, I'm actually quite a nice guy. But actually, there's nothing good in me, you know, in reality. And if, and if, we, if, if I questioned you or you questioned me, then yeah, yeah, there's nothing good in me. But, but subtly, we start to think, actually, I'm pretty good. And, and we act unfaithfully. So they didn't give God what was, what was his. They didn't give him credit. They also didn't give what was rightfully his. Well, you know, when we came to Jesus, we gave him our lives. We, we, we talk a lot about what we receive from him, which is, which is amazing, isn't it? that we're forgiven, we're given new life, we're, we're declared righteous and so on. So there's lots of, of wonderful things that we receive from him, but we also give him our lives. And in doing that, in a sense, we give him our energy, we give him our, our possessions, we give him who we are, every aspect of it. And, and often that's just lip service, isn't it? 
But I think it's a bit like Achan. We, 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 we don't always give him what is rightfully his. I don't always give him my time. I don't always give him my energy. And, uh, and I think that's a, a, a great reminder for us that, that we can act unfaithfully, whether it's intentionally or just, just subtly, just sneaking in there. So they, were, they acted unfaithfully. Secondly, they were overly self-confident. You know, just send a few men. You don't, you don't really need to send the whole army. It's going to be easy. And how often have, have I fell when, I, when I've been overly self-confident and, and underestimated the enemy? I think that's when, when we're most vulnerable is, is when we've had victory. Uh, I, when I worked at a Bible school in the UK, um, sometimes we, I'd, I'd uh, take groups away. We'd go to Africa and different places. And it was amazing what God would often do through us. I'd come home and having had such great victory, we'd find home life difficult or I'd find home life difficult. After being away for three weeks, Laurie and I would struggle with each other. And it was almost like I was more vulnerable after victory um, than, than before. So I think we need to be careful that we don't become over self-confident. And then thirdly, the third cause. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorite verses as well in the, in the New Testament that you probably heard me say many times, but, but Colossians 2.6. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so live in him. And, and isn't that so, so real for us that we need to, when, when we came to know him, we came in, in total dependence, recognizing our need for him. I recognized I needed him. And, and how do we live the Christian life then? In exactly the same way. So instead of being overconfident, recognizing that I need him every day. So just as you received him, so continue in him. So they, were, they acted unfaithfully. They were overly self-confident. And then thirdly, they fell for the oldest trick in the book. And I say the oldest trick in the book because I think it goes right back to, to Adam and Eve in, in Genesis 1. I, I think James chapter 1 gives us kind of the clearest description of the process of sin. Let me read these verses to you. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Okay, so look, look at these three things here. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, so we have desire, he is dragged away and enticed and to me, that's, it. that's deception, isn't it? It's like that, that worm on the hook. It's, it's a deception. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, so the act of the will. And then sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So, so look at that, those three things. Desire, deception, disobedience, in a sense, that act of the will, and then, and then death. So four things. And if, if, let me read what Achan says. In, in chapter 7, verse 20. So Achan said, when, when I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold. So that, that, that is attractive, isn't it, to him? The desire was there. He wanted those things. And it says, I coveted them and took them. So he coveted and took. And then he hid them under, under the blanket in his tent. And, and I think that is, that's so clear, isn't it? That process of sin that happens in a, in a minuscule of a moment sometimes in our minds where we have the desire for something, the deception comes, whether it be, you know, I, I, I'll, nobody else will know. Ah, it's okay, everybody else does it. There's so many ways, isn't, isn't there, in which we deceive ourselves into, into the act of the will, into actually taking or indulging. So just, a, you know, thinking of ice cream, you know, 
I mean, appetite is, is, is a God-given thing. Many appetites, we, all appetites really we have are God-given. But when they're outside of God's design, then, then they become evil desires. And actually, when I pulled that image on there, I didn't see the, the cherries on top because I would not have that with, with cherries on top. But, but the desire is certainly there to have that, uh, that ice cream sundae. And then, and then this deception of, of maybe not recognizing the, the, the trap or the hook in it, that, that, you know, whether it be justifying the action or, or comparing with others or whatever. And then the act of the will. And, and I put this slide up there because this is, a few years ago, we got stuck in Dubai. I was taking a group to, to Uganda. We got stuck in Dubai because of engine trouble. And we went to the beach. And on the beach, there was a sign. You probably can't tell from the picture, but it's no cameras. And I couldn't resist it. I couldn't resist but to take a picture of the sign with a, with a few of the students in front of it. And that, I mean, that, that probably makes you not want to listen to me anymore because uh, <laughs> that's the type of person I am. But I couldn't resist it. It was, it was just an act of disobedience that the temptation was there. And then, obviously, ultimately, sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? We recognize sin leads to death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So, so a very clear process of sin. They acted unfaithfully, they were overly self-confident, and, and they fell for the oldest trick in the book. And how often do I fall for that trick too? If only they'd waited, and, and we won't look at chapter eight, but just, just the, these few verses, the first few verses of, of chapter eight, um, after they'd taken care of business here in chapter seven, God says, go, 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 go defeat AI, you will defeat them. And then when you do defeat them, Take the plunder, enjoy the plunder. If only Achan had waited. He wouldn't have had to wait it long, then he would have got the plunder anyway. So just a, a reminder, as we are tempted by all those things, often God wants us to have them, but perhaps not at that time. So let's look at uh, the consequence. And the consequence is really very real here. It's defeat, obviously defeat for the soldiers as they went into AI, um, but, but really defeat um, personally for Joshua. Let me read what it says here in, in, chapter, in chapter seven. Um, well, for the, for the nation as well, in verse five, at this, at this, so after the defeat, at this the hearts of the people melted and became like water. When, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads and Joshua said, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites and to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe our name out from the earth. Isn't that, isn't that kind of interesting that, that Joshua is worried about their own name? And then he says, then what will you do for your own great name? As, as if God's great name depended on, on the outcome of, of Joshua and the Israelites. So a real pity party for, for, for Joshua personally, tearing his clothes, defeat, he's lying on the ground. The elders are doing the same. The people are, are discouraged. And uh, it's, it's, it's defeat personally. It's defeat collectively. Um, and, and I wonder... How, how our sin affects others. You know, sometimes we, we recognize our own defeat and it affects us and perhaps we're, we're often like Joshua, face on the ground. But actually, often defeat affects others as well, doesn't it? And those around us, it, it affects our, our ability to, 
for, for the Lord to do his work through us because we're, we're in a pity party and we're defeated. And, and it's actually, it, it's defeat divinely, which, which seems wrong, doesn't it? How can God de- be defeated? But if, if you read in just a couple of verses over, it says, um, um, Joshua, it says in chapter, in verse 12, Uh, That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They have turned their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore. And isn't that, that, I I always find that puzzling because in chapter one, some some well-known verses, the Lord says to Joshua, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Wherever you go, I'll go and so on. So incredible verses. And then we read here, I won't be with you anymore. And I think that's one of those things that we can easily get wrong. We often pray, don't we, Lord, be with us. But actually, he's already promised he'll always be with us, but not always with the activity that we do. And I think that's, that's the defeat here, is that it wasn't that the Lord was with them in, in presence, but that he wouldn't be with them in their activity because of their disobedience. And, and, and I think it's good for us to remember that, that, that the Lord is with us, there's no doubt. You know, he reminded the disciples, I'll be with you till the end of the age. And when we come to Jesus, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt that he will not be with us. He will be with us. Um, he, he's God. He's come to live his life in us. He, he's with us all the time. But he won't always be with our activity. And, and I think that's what, uh, what's being said here. So defeat personally, defeat collectively, defeat divinely. Let's look at the cure. And, and I love this. And, I th- and this is really the, the, the take home today. You know, if you've, if you've come this morning... Um, and, and you feel defeated, maybe by something that happened yesterday during the week or whatever, or, or perhaps even something many years ago that, that, that's still there that makes you feel defeated. What, what does the Lord say to, to Joshua? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Stand up. And I think that's the heart of God, isn't it? You know, as, as I said before, I don't think God is in any way surprised by our mistakes and by our sin, and by our errors. But, but I think he is surprised by our lack of trusting in him. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to live in him. Stand up. Joshua, get out of that pity party. You're worried about your own name. You're worried about everybody else. Get up. And, it, and it's the heart of God. And, and I think it's like, I always think of the prodigal son, you know, who's, who's gone off, he's squandered his, his inheritance, he's in the pigsty, but I, I see the heart of God in, in the father who's there looking down the street. You know, he's looking down, longing for that day. I, I think holding his hand out for his son to come back. And that is the heart of God. He, he doesn't want us to, to live in defeat. And yes, there's, there's, there's place for repentance. There's, there's place for confession. But, but God's heart is not that we stay there, that we, we get up, we embrace him, and we take his hand. And, 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 in, and enjoy all that he's done for us and recognize that he has, he has forgiven us. So stand up. And, and, and I think it's a bit like, um, I, I think the, our enemy, I, I think he wants us to, to feel guilty and stay in defeat, whereas the heart of God is that, is that we recognize and we lift our hand to him and we, we stand up. So the cure to stand up, secondly, consecrate yourselves. Uh, Verse 13, go consecrate the people. Tell them to consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. So consecrate yourself. It's one of those kind of 
kind of Christian words or spiritual words or, or religious words that really just means to get right with God. It means to, to make yourself holy. And, and many times the Israelites have been told, you know, that you are holy because I'm holy. So in a sense, you're actually becoming something you already are. But that's a bit like us in our, our relationship with God. As we come to Jesus, he's, he's made us right. He's justified us. We're, we're right with God. We're righteous. We're, we're saints. We're all of those things. But also part of our journey with him is that we make ourselves holy. And perhaps that's what Scott's been teaching us the last few weeks with, with spiritual formation. That, that, that the, the, maybe the physical actions of, of spiritual disciplines and so on. But I think in, in, in those actions, we've got to recognize that that's what we already are. We, we're already holy. We're already right, right. What he did on the cross was enough. You know, we don't need to add anything else to that. But, but I think the spiritual formation and the disciplines are, are great in our journey. So consecrate yourselves. And I, I think for each of us, it probably looks different, doesn't it? As we, as we stand up, we take his hand and we stand up and we, we get right with him. It might be confession. It might be... Um, you know, real sorrowful repentance. It might be time with him. It might be actually recognizing, thank you. Thank you that you have saved me. Thank you that you have already forgiven me for, for this mess. And, and, and thank you that you embrace me and welcome me back into your family. So the cure, let's look at, um, let's look at the connection. And, and it, I think this is, this is a really cool connection and I hope encourages you. I think when I was... Well, the first time I was uh, studying the book of Joshua, because I was studying it to teach to others, I was also reading through the Minor Prophets, and I, and I read, read through Hosea, and it, it was almost like at the same time I came across um, this verse, Hosea 2, 14 to 15. And if you know much, much about Hosea, um, he, he was a, a prophet, and uh, the, the verses leading up to this talk about how Israel has been disobedient, and therefore there'll be no more you know, grapes on the vines, no more... Uh, food for the cattle and so on. But then he says, therefore, behold, I will allure her. So he's speaking of Israel here. Therefore, I will allure Israel. I'll bring her back into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Isn't that fantastic? I, I would imagine each of us have, have some valleys of Achor. And, and valley, the, the place at the end of, book of, uh, at the end of chapter 7 after they had put stones over Achan and, and burnt him and so on, they said, those stones remain to this day and they called the place the Valley of Achor, which is, which is a valley of trouble. Uh, and I would imagine that we all have valleys of trouble and, and perhaps we go back and visit them. You know, in our minds, we go back and with regret, we visit, we poke around um, and that's what, that's what the enemy wants us to do. But isn't this great? And, and I hope you, you remember these verses. Um, that, that who will make our valleys of Achor a door of hope. And I like this last bit too. And there she shall answer, and, and there's other translations really mean to, to sing or to rejoice. So there she will sing and rejoice as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came up out of Egypt. So isn't that a wonderful thing that we can, you know, as we, we recognize the, the joy of salvation coming out of Egypt, new life and so on, that we can also revisit that joy as we recognize that he didn't just forgive me then, but he forgives me today. He forgives me for my Valley of Achor. And he longs, he longs for me to take his hand and get off the ground and that place of despair. And then once I'd found that one, I looked for other places of the Valley of Achor. And there's only one other. 
So it's only mentioned one other time in, in Isaiah the, it, where um, he talks about the Valley of Achor becoming a resting place for herds. And it, wouldn't that be wonderful if we can turn our Valley of Achors into a place of rest? A place of resting in the fact that Jesus has done it, that he's taken care of it, he's, he's canceled the debt, he's forgiven, and, and we don't need to visit there anymore. So I, I hope you could be encouraged by that. And, and maybe this morning that's you, you just recognize that, that you so often visit that Valley of Achor. So I, my, my prayer for you, for me, is that, that we would recognize that door of hope, that, that even in our Valleys of Achor, that, that will recognize God's heart, his hand, and his care for us. We did something yesterday here at the church. It was called the blanket ceremony, which was, yeah, if you ever get the chance to do it, and I hope we'll do it again here, it was absolutely fantastic. It was, um, it was disturbing in many ways, but it's a very visual, and I'm a visual learner, a very visual way of, of understanding the, um, the, the history of the First Nations as far as how we have, we have treated them and, and the history of Canada and so on. And, and it's very visual. Um, and somebody at the end, because it's hard to see hope in that. You, you kind of see despair, you see hurt and so on. But somebody at the end said that, that isn't it just like God to take something that is, is despair and turn it into hope? Like the cross. You know, all was lost. You think the cross, Jesus the Messiah is gone. But then we have such incredible hope that he's alive today. And, and I, my, my prayer for you and for me is that we can see our valleys of despair, valleys of sin and discouragement as actually a door of hope and that we can rest in what Jesus has done. Rest in who he is, who he said he is and and what he's done for us and rest and relax and find hope. Let's pray and then uh, the team will come back up. Father, thank you so much for your love for us and and that displaying that by sending Jesus to, to die in our place. Father, thank you that your heart is, is for us and not against us. Father, thank you that you're a righteous God and, and you do punish sin. But thank you that you're a forgiving God, that, that you know our failures, you know our valleys of acor. Father, would you just imprint on us the, the fact that you have taken care of it, that you've forgiven us, and that you've given us hope, uh, and the hope is Jesus. In your name, amen.